It was about 1996. I was serving as pastor of the uh, 3rd of May Baptist Church in Juampasoa. First service there as pastor. Um, it was a church that Sandy and I had been around a lot because one of our colleagues started that church, but they were needing help. And so this, the executive secretary asked me to go pay, be pastor of the church. In the first service that I was there, when I gave the invitation, in Brazilian churches, they don't come to the front, they raise their hand. And I gave an altar call for people to, to receive Christ. And the only hand I saw was of a, a man sitting at the back, and he's looking around like this, and then he realized that his hand was up. After the service, he said, you know, I didn't come to accept Christ. I really came to thank the church that they had prayed for me when I had cancer, throat cancer, and I'm, I'm cured. And so I came to thank the church for that. But God changed that man's life. I didn't know Juan before then. Uh, I was told that he was a, a womanizer. I was told that. I don't know that for certain. I was told he had a drinking problem. He told me that himself. But God radically changed his life. And because of him, his wife and his kids got saved. Because of him, uh, several of his neighbors got to hear the gospel because we had worship services out in his front yard. And because of him, we started a church in a school because he was the director of the school. And Zhuang became a close friend to me, a dear friend. It's someone that I'll never forget because of the influence he had on so many people. Juan the Baptist was like Juan, like Juan. People that saw him never forgot him. I mean, here's a guy that his wardrobe did not come off, off of uh, Hollywood or any place like that. He wore locusts. I mean, he ate locusts. Anybody want to go for lunch to eat locusts? I didn't think so. Unless you go to a Korean restaurant and it's a delicacy there. Uh, wild honey and, and wore uh, just the the rough clothing of, of the poor. And yet people didn't forget him. And he's the man that, that Jesus said, he's the one that's the one coming to prepare the way. In fact, in the time of Malachi, a prophet uh, 400 years before Jesus, the people said, where's the God of justice? And Malachi said, the Lord would send his messenger who will clear the way for the, for the Messiah. Jesus said, he's the one. What is it about John the Baptist that made him so memorable? What is it about John the Baptist that I would call the message living like John the Baptist? Well, we're going to look at a text this morning. Stand with me in honor of God's Word. We're going to read from Luke chapter 7, uh, beginning with the 24th verse. After John's messengers left, he began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed swaying in the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothes? See, those who are splendidly dressed and live in luxury are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, no one is greater than John. But the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And when all the people, including the tax collectors, heard this, they acknowledged God's way of righteousness because they had been baptized with John's baptism. But since the Pharisees and experts in the law had not been baptized, baptized by him, they rejected the plan of God for themselves. Father, thank you for your words. Speak to our hearts. 
be glorified in our response to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The first thing I want us to see about John is that he was a a man of conviction. And so the first example for you is that we live our life based upon what the Word of God says. That we, we have biblical convictions and we live by them. So point number one, to be spiritually healthy, live by your convictions, convictions based upon the Word of God. Now, Pastor Mike shared this morning what Jesus had said about John. Uh, excuse me, what John had said about Jesus the other way around. John said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John said, he must increase, I must decrease. John also said, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. Now, for those of you who don't know what he was talking about, when someone went into a house, the lowest slave usually had the job of going to the door and taking everybody's sandals off and, and, and washing their feet. Who wants that job? John said, I'm not even worthy to do that. That was his attitude about Jesus. And what John said about Jesus affected the way he lived. He lived humbly in submission to Christ. He always was submissive to Jesus. Yet something happened. I don't know what happened. But remember, John was put in prison. And while he was in prison, he began to have doubts. And so he sent some of his, his, his servants, go ask Jesus. Are you the one or should we wait on someone else? Now, wherever Jesus was, there was always crowds around and and the crowds would hear what the disciples had to say. And and they may have heard the question of John and wondered, has John changed his mind? But Jesus, here's what Jesus said in verse 24. What did you go out of the wilderness to see? A reed swaying in the wind? Probably that reed was papyrus. It's kind of like a a reed that grows in the marshes. marshes And and when the wind blows, how many of y'all have ever seen a cattail? You know, it's got the reed and it's got the the thing on top of it. When the wind blows, it kind of goes like this, right? Jesus said, John's not like that. He's not tossed around by every wind that blows. He's a man of deep convictions. And he lives by what he believes. And they're based, his beliefs are based upon the Word of God and upon the Holy Spirit speaking to him. John was a man of conviction. They were, his convictions were unchanging. That's why he called out the religious leaders because they sometimes lived based upon what the crowd thought. I can just imagine Jesus pointing to the Pharisees that were there, excuse me, John saying when the Pharisees were there, Who warned you, sons of snakes? That's what it says in the the scripture. Look it up. Who warned you, sons of snakes, to flee from the wrath to come? Uh, By the way, uh, Mike, that's not the way to make friends, no, or influence enemies. I mean, when, when you're preaching in the future, remember that. But that's what John did. He spoke the truth no matter what people thought about it. He's going to stand up and say, this is what God said, and I'm going to preach it, and you, whether you like it or not, this is the truth. His preaching was not based upon his circumstances. Now, I don't listen to a lot of preachers on TV or radio. I know some of you do. But I've been told that we've moved away from the gospel. I've been told that one of the words that we've stopped using is repentance. I've been told that some people say, well, if... Society accepts it. It's got to be right. But we've got to base what we believe on the Word of God and live by it. A sure sign of spiritual maturity 
and, and, and health is living based upon what the Word of God says, no matter what anybody else says. But being spiritually mature is more than just knowing what the Bible teaches. Paul wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 5, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 15. Be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the Word of God. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees knew the Scriptures. They were called lawyers because they studied the law. But Jesus said they missed Him. They weren't spiritually mature. Jesus said you search the Scripture because you believe in them. You have life. But Jesus said they were wrong because the Scripture spoke about Him and they didn't find Him in the Word. Spiritually mature believers look for Jesus in the Word of God, and they seek to, to honor Jesus by living what the Word of God teaches. And living our lives based upon the teaching of the Word of God is the way to spiritual maturity. But you can't be spiritually mature unless you're emotionally healthy. You say, what are you talking about? Well, let's, let's say it this way. All my life, the biggest pressure that I have has been to be a people pleaser. Words cut me. You know the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me? I didn't grow up believing that. And a lot of people are just like that. They would rather live trying to please with people around them. Uh, I'll not go there. Uh, Jesus was chosen to be used of God before he, excuse me, John was chosen to be used of God before he was ever born. God called him out. Uh, in fact, before, I believe before John was conceived, the Holy Spirit said to Zacharias, his father, he'll be great in the sight of God. Now, that's God's opinion of John. Jesus said the same thing in, in 728, among those born of woman, no one is greater. He told Zacharias, he would be born of, excuse me, he will drink no wine or liquor. In other words, he would be a Nazarite from birth. That means he, from the time he was born, he was separated to God. And that affected the way that he lived his life to bring God glory. The Holy Spirit said he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord. In fact, the accusation was that all of Israel went to be baptized by John in the Jordan. He will be a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So was the angel right? Well, I, we don't know much about John's early life. The Bible doesn't talk about other than the fact that he was born and then he's in ministry 30 years later. So we don't know about his early life. We didn't know that if he knew that he was a relative of Jesus because his mother and, and Mary were related. We don't know if, if he knew that, that he leaped in his womb whenever his mother heard the voice of Mary. We don't know that. We don't know at what age exactly he went to live in the wilderness or adopted locusts and wild honey for his diet or, or took on a, a, a camel skin robe for his clothing. We don't know. We don't know anything until we read that he is in the wilderness preaching Jesus, preaching repentance and baptizing in preparation for the Lord. We don't know anything about what he was going to do until he was doing what the Holy Spirit said he would do. 
We know he was filled with the Spirit of God. We know that he was separated and consecrated to God. We know that he was faithfully serving the Lord. And comfort wasn't John's priority. What did it say about him? What did you go out to see? Uh, a man dressed in soft clothes? Um, I've not been around too many camels. But I know you can go to the zoo or to the circus or some places and you can ride those things. And from what I remember, they're, well, they're not like a puppy when you pet them kind of rough and coarse. And that's what John wore. Did you go out to wear soft clothing? Did, did you go a man splendidly dressed and living in luxury and in royal palaces? No. He was out in the wilderness. But he was a man who lived to serve God. And he faced opposition from the religious leaders. They didn't like what John had to say. And he faced opposition from King Herod. King Herod was living with his brother's wife and John told him about it. And ultimately, it got John killed. But he didn't compromise his convictions no matter what other people said. Now, Jesus commended John. So there are a couple of things I want us to see here. First, whatever's necessary to follow Christ, we must do. Jesus wants you to follow him. And sometimes he calls us to make sacrifices. We saw the, the video about the missionaries. One of the lines that stood out to me was they left all that was known to go to places that are unknown. I remember one of the letters we got from Sandy's college friend. Do you live in a house? Do you have electricity? See, a lot of people, when they go to the fish, mission field, they have no idea what they're going to. Now, we did live in a house. We had electricity. But from what I hear, where Calvin's daughter lives, there are places where the missionaries are that don't have electricity. Whatever's in our life that keeps us from serving Christ, we need to get rid of. Whatever's necessary to follow Jesus, we need to do. The second thing about John's uh, commitment to Christ was... He did not do what he did based upon the opinions of others. He was secure in what he was in Christ. Several years ago, I learned a word uh, that I'd never heard before. Someone said, do you know the word differentiation? I said, never heard of it. What does it mean? Well, since I've learned that it's a term from, from counseling, family systems theory, uh, it, the shortened me, means, uh, the shortened, uh, Definition of it means to love someone and not need their approval. It means we can live our convictions no matter what other people think about us. And that described John. And too often, we can't go to spiritual maturity because we're emotionally immature. Because the situation arises and we get angry. We get mad. And we attack or we choose sides or we withdraw or we're ready to look someplace else to find our worth. John... God says, John, this is what you're going to do, and that's what he lived his life based upon. So how do we come to spiritual maturity? How do we, excuse me, how do we come to emotional security? Well, we need to first search the Scriptures to find out who we are in Christ, and then live it. The Bible says you're a child of God. If you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're a child of God. Live like a child of God. Appropriate it. Pray about it. We're loved by God. We need to live like we're loved by God. We need to believe it. We're chosen by God, the Scripture says. We need to reflect on that and bask on who we are in Jesus. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to live like who we are. And sometimes we need to ask the Lord to help heal us of hurts and immaturity keep us from living for Jesus. Well, John was a man who lived by his convictions, and Jesus commended him for that. John was a man who lived to please God, not man, and Jesus commended him for that. Third, John was a man who lived out his calling. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but we're all called. You say, what are we called for? We're called to be children of God. 
We're called to be His witnesses. And you are our witness for Jesus. You may say, well, I'm afraid to witness for Christ. You are our witness. The way you live your life points to the way you serve Jesus. It points to how you think about Jesus. You're a witness. Some of us, some of the time we're good witnesses. Some of the times we're not. But we have a calling. We have a calling to, to, to serve the Lord with all that we are. John had a calling. Jesus said, why do you go out in the wilderness to see a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one that Malachi talked about. The messenger I'm sending ahead of you. Now, the language that you, Luke used to describe John was that of describing a herald. A herald was somebody that went before the king to announce his coming. Not just to say he's right over the hill, but to say he's coming next week. And so you need to make preparation. When we lived in Mexico 20 years ago, President Bush went to see President Fox. And President Fox was going to host President Bush not at the Capitol, the presidential palace it's called, at the Capitol in Washington, in uh, Mexico, Distrito Federal, but at his home in the state of Guanajuato. And so to prepare for Bush to come, they had to add phone lines, they had to add security, they had to have all this stuff to prepare. And they didn't do it the day before Bush got there, or the week before Bush got there. A couple of months before he came, they had announced that he was coming, and they started all that preparation. That's what John did. He fulfilled his calling by pointing to Jesus, saying, He's coming. The Messiah, the one that God promised, He's coming. He was preparing people's hearts for the coming of the Messiah. He was God's messenger. And yet Jesus said, as great as He is, there are people more important than him. How's, how's it say it? No one greater than John, born of a woman, but he is the least in the kingdom of God. The king, least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. John lived out his calling. And we all have a calling. We all have a general call. God's called each of us to be saved. God's called each of us to, to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. God's called us to be filled with the Spirit and to love one another and to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as we live these out, God begins, will begin to show us specifically what we're to do. And if we live it out, God will bless. But about John, getting back to John, it said that he was the least of the kingdom. How's that? John, no one in Scripture, it says, no one in history was greater than John. And as I read that, I thought, uh, what about Abraham? He was a pretty great man. What about Moses? What about King David? Jesus said, nobody born of woman is greater than John, but the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. John was great because of his calling, great because of his obedience, great because of his faith. How could he be the least in the kingdom? Well, think of it this way. It's greater to participate in the kingdom than to announce it's coming. It's greater to know Jesus than just to prepare for Jesus' coming. To be in the kingdom of God, we must know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And all that are in the kingdom know Jesus. But John was of the old dispensation. Charles Ryrie in his commentary wrote, The greatness of John the Baptist in the old dispensation of, of the law before the cross fades in comparison to the high position every believer has since, since Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection and the descent of the Spirit. Jesus commended John for his convictions, for his commitment, and his faithfulness. 
But he said, if you know Jesus, it's greater. And so here's what John's, what Jesus is saying to us, and I, I think it's important to us. It's important that we live for Jesus. It's important that we know Jesus as Lord and Savior. The Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We were all, we're all descendants of Adam, every single one of us. We all got that sin nature. We all were born separated from God in need of a Savior. Everyone needs to repent of their sin and trust Christ as Lord and Savior to, to go into the kingdom. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the promise in Romans 10, 13. As many as received Him, to them gave you power to become the children of God. To them who believe on His name. That's in the Gospel of John. John chapter 1, verse 12. John announced His coming. But we point back to the fact that he died for our sins. He was buried and rose again. And all put their faith in him, have eternal life, and are greater because we have Jesus. Jesus said, look at John the Baptist. He's a great man. He was a man of, of deep conviction based upon the word of God. Are you a person of deep conviction? Do you live based upon the word of God? Jesus wants us to do that. He was a man who was emotionally healthy because he lived based on the word, not by the opinions of people or pressure around him or, or anything else like that. Do you live based upon the word of God or the pressures of people around you? Do you live to please people or God? John was a man who fulfilled his calling, and God has called each of us to serve him and to follow him. Do you live serving Christ with your whole life? But most of all, Jesus pointed to the fact that we need to know him. Do you know him? Have you trusted him as Lord and Savior? I don't mean do you know about him. James talked about that. He said, you believe that, that there's one God? You do well. The demons believe also and they tremble. You see, James was pointing to the fact that it's more, we need to do more than just know that God exists. Because the demons know he's there. The demons know that he's one. And, and James was referring to uh, the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. James was pointing to the fact that even the demons believe that there's one God. But until we trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior personally, repent of our sin and surrender to him, we do not have eternal life. And that's what Jesus was pointing to in this message. Live by your convictions. Live based upon what the Word of God says, not what people around you say. Fulfill your calling and know Jesus. And then you too will be greater than John. Oh, thank you.